Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you'll listen to our past podcast conversations, and if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcasts, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and any online book retailer you prefer. Check out Drive Your Career today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you are looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. I am really excited to introduce our guest today. Juliet Mayers is a trusted advisor, a diversity, equity, and inclusion strategist, an author, a speaker, and host of the Entering the Inspiration Zone podcast, a podcast for business professionals and entrepreneurs seeking positive connection and professional development. Juliet is known for guiding executives and employee resource groups through holistic, innovative approaches to diversity, equity, and inclusion, brand management, and thought leadership. She is also the recipient of numerous awards and is the author of two books, The Guide to Strategic Networking and A Black Woman's Guide to Strategic, uh, to, excuse me, to Networking, both of which are interesting topics for us because networking is an area that people need to show bravery oftentimes in order to do. So we're really thrilled to have you join us today on Be Brave at Work, Juliet. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. And I think our listeners would love to hear a little bit more about your background and how you are currently interacting in the marketplace. Sure, sure. Well, I I call myself a you know a recovering corporate uh, executive, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> now an entrepreneur and. Uh, chief inspiration <laughs> executive, but um, I really grew up. I'm originally from the island of Barbados, West Indies, and and grew up. Uh, I like to say in corporate America, and worked for very large companies, both uh, Fortune 500, not for profits, and the common theme throughout my career really has been diversity, equity, and inclusion whether it was multicultural marketing. And so I have this very broad discipline. And right now, as the CEO of Inspiration Zone and also as a speaker and author, I am showing up in the marketplace in a number of different ways. One, as advisor, as you said, in terms of helping large companies and executives with their diversity, equity, and inclusion strategies, but also thought leadership, always finding opportunities to share my thoughts, my opinions. And I'm also working on my third book. I don't have a title yet, but that's also very, very exciting. 
And as you mentioned, networking is a very, very important part. It's what my two books are about. But also I view networking as not just an activity, which many people think of it as a transactional kind of activity. I see it very strategically and as a way of being effective. So uh, with all of that, it's uh, has been absolutely wonderful this journey, and I am really, really excited uh, to to have this conversation. Great. Well, there are I think hours of stuff that we could talk about, but two areas that I'd like to focus on. The first is this concept of diversity, equity, and inclusion. I can remember in my days in human resources early on, where the only word we used was diversity, and we wanted to be you know quote unquote more diverse. And so kind of where did the addition uh, or why did they uh, add equity and inclusion? And then if you can, it would be interesting to hear, you know, any thoughts that you might have about the bravery it needs uh, that people need or organizations need to really focus on this area. I think some companies might do it because they're supposed to, but other companies are really deeply involved in ensuring that the client base they work with, the employees that they hire and the leaders at the company reflect diversity, equity, and inclusion? Mm -hmm. Yeah, very, very good question. You know, I think most people, as you said, get the diversity piece, and that's really, it's about differences, and we all are different in our own, own unique ways. In terms of equity, equity really is about fairness, and I think over the years, people have come to find out that you can have diversity, so you can bring different types of people together. However, you can't treat them necessarily the same. <laughs> so there's a lot of confusion around equality and equity and, you know, equality being, you know, we're just going to treat everybody the same. And equity really is about what does the person really need in order to be successful? And so it's coming from a space where over historically and, and still today, there are lots of situations and a lot of barriers for people where there are considerations that have to be taken into account. So for example, you could say, you know what, Juliet, uh, you know, all, I'm going to treat all of the women the same. But if I'm a mom with, with small children, and that's not necessarily a good example, because it's not just about children. But if I'm a person who requires, you know, additional time, because I need to help to take care of an elder or what have you, well, treating me the same is going to make my life very miserable, because I'm not able to <laughs> be there for my loved one or to, to do what I need to. And the same is true for people who may be of a different ethnic background or race or whatever, we all have different needs. So it's about looking at the individual and trying to make sure that we're bringing that lens so that we create equitable environments versus treating everybody the same. Uh, in terms of the inclusion piece, inclusion is about really, I like to say, helping people feel valued res and respected and like their contribution really matters. And I think, think we're seeing a lot of companies who are actually losing a lot of talent because they're really missing that helping people feel inclusion, inclu included piece, which uh, layered within inclusion is belonging. It's really a subset of inclusion. And, and so that's a different level. So the DEI piece is really where a lot of focus is now. And some people break out the belong, the B belonging, DEIB, <laughs> but, but really I tend to view and many studies do as well that belonging is really a, a, an outcome that happens when you're doing the first three well. Well, when I think back on my human resource career, 
of the three words, diversity, equity, and inclusion. I think equity, as you talked about it, it may be one of the hardest ones to achieve because I think most people today, including myself to some degree, thought equity meant treating everyone equally, right? And we all know that that is impossible to do because every person is unique in respect to who they are and how they operate. And one of the reasons or one of the things that you hear organizations say when they don't want to treat someone differently is, well, we don't want to set a precedent, right? We don't want to do something for Juliet that we can't do for everyone else. So we're not going to do it for anyone else, right? And it sounds as though you're suggesting that, you know, equity isn't about treating everyone the same, but looking at their profile, looking at their situation and treating them fairly as you would treat anyone fairly that worked for your organization. Exactly. And that that is, it really requires thought and, and consideration because most organizations like to think they're operating in a meritocracy, right? Uh, we everybody's the same. We, we we treat everybody the same. It, you know, it's about if you you're, you're uh, everybody has uh, you know has to earn their their place. Well, there are a lot of people who are starting at a disadvantage, <laughs> or who may have a special ability where they need consideration for that. You know, uh, diff- differently abled people who who may need a consideration and accommodation. So so I think it's if the more people can think about how can I create a fair and equitable environment, that's really what it's about more than trying to treat everyone the same because it just doesn't work. I don't think it can work. And especially when you think about the kind of post-pandemic world that we're now entering, this concept of equity is also kind of rearing its head in respect to working from home, right? Certain people want to work from home. Certain people don't want to work from home. Somebody wants Mondays and Fridays. Somebody wants Tuesday, Wednesdays, right? I mean, it gets kind of crazy on that front. Are you hearing needs and concerns about treating people equitably as it relates to work from home and hybrid work? Absolutely. We, we now have the great migration, well, well re- resignation, <laughs> some of the same migration and resignation, migration to different new pastures. Um, and, and I think you're, you're seeing a lot of that, right? People are feeling burnt out. They're feeling that their situation may not be thoroughly understood. You have lots and lots and lots of different situations. And quite frankly, you have a lot of people who are feeling not included. <laughs> They're feeling, you know, the DEI, people look at DEI, that, you know, diversity, equity and inclusion as this separate and apart from the workplace, you know, and this is something we're going to do in the human resources area. And it really is about every single one of us. It's a much more much broader than that. And to the extent that leaders really understand and begin to comprehend what it truly means to be, to have an equitable organization, what it truly means to have an outcome where people feel a sense of belonging and and that things are equitable, actually can be a competitive advantage. So the organizations that are doing DE and I well are actually having a better time, you know, they're, everybody's going through change, but I find that the companies that truly get that are doing a better job at retention as well. Well, to switch gears with you, if we can, Juliet, I'd love to talk a little bit more about this concept of networking. You've written a couple of books about networking and uh, based on guests that we've had and my own personal experiences and being a, an observer of this activity of networking, you know, this is an area that a lot of people are afraid to do. They 
avoid going to meetings. They avoid going to uh, events where they meet other people and have to socially interact. They don't know what to say. Uh, you know, they're embarrassed. They're uncomfortable. And, you know, I'd love to hear you chat a little bit about your observations as it pertains to, you know, bravery and this idea of networking. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and I'll have to say for your listeners, I am an introvert. It's something people don't, don't often don't believe necessarily. <laughs> it's true. And there are a lot of people I have learned and conditioned myself in and have developed the skill of networking. So if people think of networking as a skill, it's a little less scary. I tend to focus a lot on strategic networking. And this is another area where sometimes organizations shy away from networking. They, they don't necessarily want to encourage their people unless they're in sales and marketing. And I mean, I literally have ha- had HR leaders say to me, and by the way, a lot of my friends are HR people, nothing against HR. <laughs> However, many of them have said to me, well, I don't necessarily want my people, you know, going out doing networking or, or having a workshop on networking because they may leave. And my response is, they're going to leave anyways. And so if you don't develop them and help them be more effective, it's, they're going to leave. So when I think of networking, I think it's important for people, for me to define for your listeners, what networking is at strategic networking. It's really about networking with a plan, identifying a goal, where it is you want to go, having a plan around it and looking at what are the relationships and the connections that you need in order to get there. And it's a two-way street. It's not a one-way street where you're just, you know, taking, taking, taking and trying to use people. It's about how do you give and how do you get. And this whole concept, if you think about it from a business concept, can be very, very powerful. Whether you're inside of an organization trying to get a project done, right, or trying to get anything done, the better relationships that you have, the better connected that you are, the more strategic you are about it, the more effective you're likely to be. And so these concepts are relevant inside the organization and outside of the organization. And so, especially right now with COVID-19, where a lot of people are hunkered down, haven't had opportunities to connect live and so forth, it's really, really important that organizations create a space for their employees to be able to come together and to convene, even if it's in a virtual environment, uh, around whether it's a specific topic that you're talking about. And I always encourage leaders to, to those who are in a leadership role, to have integrated into your meetings, right? To not just, especially right now, people get on the call, they just jump right into the, the agenda. And and meanwhile, you have no idea what that person has been going through. And especially now, there's so much need for empathy and to really understand people. And so networking right now, done well, can be another really, really important retention, integration, and uh, creating a sense of stickiness for people. But first, you have to help them understand and break down what does it really mean to network strategically, and how can you really be effective at it to advance your career, your work, your job, whatever it is, it can help. Well, one of the key words you used is relationship, and we have identified previously on the podcast that having a positive relationship with others is a great platform in order to be brave with them, right? That if you and I get along well, 
and we have a great relationship, my ability and your receptiveness to something I need to tell you that might be hard for you to hear is greater than somebody that I don't get along with or I don't have a relationship with, right? Because they think all these other agendas are at play. And, you know, I just want to talk for a couple of minutes, Juliet, about your first book, A Black Woman's Guide to Networking. And I think our listeners would be curious, you know, what are either some of the key differences? And I'm sure we could spend all our time just talking about this topic. So I recognize that it's, you know, I'm kind of opening up the, the proverbial can of worms, but uh, what, you know, what are some of the differences or what was kind of the, the idea of that book as it relates to just general networking? Sure, sure. I, I call A Black Woman's Guide to Networking my baby. <laughs> because it is, it was really an expression of me in a way, you know, having grown up in corporate America, as I mentioned, and having observed how other people network, how people get ahead, how relationships are formed, and so forth. I found that I personally didn't have a playbook that really spoke to me. One, I didn't have role models or people to look up to. In many of the organizations, I was the only one. And I also didn't feel like I had the access to powerful mentors and sponsors and all of that, like like a lot of people. And when I did figure that out and start to develop those relationships and go on to be, you know, chair of a board of directors or what have you, I realized that there are a lot of people who didn't have that and who didn't have that knowledge. And so for me, it was a labor of love to try to identify what is out there that can help people like me. So my initial thought was, how do I help other Black women? And I then expanded that because a lot of my friends would say, you know what, uh, a lot of my white friends were saying, you know, we have these same issues too. And, and at the same time, I wanted to be very deliberate and intentional about the audience I was trying to reach because there are nuances. So for example, oftentimes, if you're a person of color, and you are the only one in the organization, that's not uncommon, that you may be the only one in your organization. You may not have a CEO or may not have experienced a situation where your leader even is somebody who you can identify with uh, in terms of your your identity and how you how you uh, self-identify. And so it was important for me to, to sort of create that playbook and to write it in a way where I could speak both to Black women and also to others who really were looking for an opportunity to broaden their lens relative to diversity, equity, and inclusion. So I had myself in mind and then expanded it to include some other concepts and other people as well. Well, it sounds fantastic. And we recognize that networking itself is complex. It's not an easy kind of no-brainer type activity. And of course, you focus on strategic networking, which adds a level of a forethought and purpose to it. And I'm just wondering, Juliet, as you think back on your career, do you have a moment when you did not show bravery in your career that you'd love to share with our listeners and even tell us a little bit how it impacted you? Absolutely. You know, when I, I think of my career, you know, I've, I've had to be brave in a lot of situations where I may not have felt brave inside, but I had to because I would have been dead in the water. <laughs> Again, I, you know, for, I operated in mostly large organizations, very uh, 
uh, political organizations, many of them, and often as the only one. And so if I didn't speak up for myself, if I didn't figure it out, and if I wasn't brave, I was not going to survive and thrive, which was my goal all along. And so for me, it really came one of the points where I felt I didn't show as much bravery was I was in a situation where I, it was a great role and I literally had three jobs. <laughs> you know, I, I, not only in my titles, but I actually reported to two different executives and, and, uh, you know, from an, anybody who does organizational development will say immediately, well, right off the bat, you have a problem, right? You, you have two, <laughs> two, two bosses, one of whom reported to the other, which is, that's a whole other layer of complexity. And I was working around the clock. I just felt there was just no keeping up, no matter. I, I had a team. I, I was very efficient. I, you know, I had this whole theme. My, my uh, mantra for myself was, shocking excellence. You know, I needed to have, I always had to have a high bar because I felt quite frankly, especially when you're the only one, that you're in a fishbowl. And so performance for me was always very important. And yet I felt like I was not getting through and I tried to advocate for myself as I usually do, and it just wasn't working. So finally, I, I, um, I got a coach and, and the person said, oh, well, you know, the issue is not you, the issue is the structure. I knew that, but I couldn't, <laughs> I, I couldn't uh, necessarily articulate it. So my, one of my bosses said, you know what, you just need to, to, to say no, it's, it's not an issue, you know, you just need to say no. And so I thought, okay, fine, I'm going to say no. And when I said no, it didn't quite work out so well, right? Uh, even though people were saying that they didn't, when push came to shove, it didn't really happen. And I got to the point where I literally went in and sat down and said, you know what? Uh, but it took me a while to get there because at first I, I wasn't very brave about it because I was concerned about how I might be perceived as, you know, a black female in a high profile position uh, uh, in my view, under a lot of scrutiny, and I didn't feel as I could be truly as brave in saying what I really wanted to say and handling it the way I really wanted to handle it. So I stayed in the situation way, way too long. And so my advice, if I were to have it to do over again, you know, I would have taken the hit and said, you know what, this is not working. And gotten out of the situation a lot sooner. I eventually did get out of it, but it, I stayed in it way too long. Well, thank you for sharing that story. And reflection does have a powerful impact on us, right? When we're in the moment, it's hard to do the type of things that you're doing. And for you and like for so many others, it's very, very hard. Uh, once time passes and we look back, it seems like the answer was so easy. Oh, here's what I should have done. I should have just done it on. But Unfortunately, we do not always find ourselves in that situation. So, Juliet, it has been great speaking with you today, and thank you so much for your story, as well as the work that you continue to do. If any of our listeners would like to reach out to you, how can they contact you? Sure. Well, my website is www.inspirationzonellc.com. Don't forget the LLC part. <laughs> And, and I also have another website, Juliet at JulietMayers.com. So it's J-U-L-I-E-T-T-E at JulietMayers, M-A-Y-E-R-S.com. Fantastic. Well, 
thank you once again. And we are all anxious to read your forthcoming book. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Juliet. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us today. And we hope you join us on our next podcast conversation as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at BeBraveAtWork.com and or download and listen to our podcast on multiple online platforms. We are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies, whom you can reach at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at CabotRisk.com. And a reminder to check out my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Own Success, which is available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio everywhere online. Do you have something to say, yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do, yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.